Hey guys, thanks for checking out the College Age Movement podcast. This week we have a standalone sermon. If you're not familiar with a standalone sermon, uh, it just simply means that it's not a part of a sermon series. And so this week we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. And if you're not familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul, like 60 to 70% of the uh, New Testament is. And he's writing to a church in Corinth. And uh, Corinth is a, a really prominent city, and they have a, di- a lot of different things going on. And so Paul is writing this letter uh, spurred by the Spirit of God to, to communicate some very key points to the people at the church in Corinth. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to start right in verse 1. In verse 1 through 3, it says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and to to be called to his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what I love about all the letters that Paul writes in the New Testament is that he he has this introductory place where he actually identifies himself. And the first point is this, is that Paul is identifying himself with God and by God, with God and by God. He wanted to make it really clear why he was writing the letter, and it wasn't just to prove his own points. He was writing to them on behalf of Christ, and I think that it leads us into some really important questions as we think about what it means to introduce ourselves to those around us. So the first question uh, would be this, how do I identify myself to myself? How do I identify myself to myself? Paul understood a concept that many of us miss. We cannot walk into circumstances simply identifying ourselves as me. We really need to identify ourselves as we walk into circumstances, as we walk into situations, we need to identify ourselves as his, that we belong to God. You see, there's so much fallibility in our own humanity. If we only define ourselves as uh, that, if we just define ourselves as a human being, we will get ourselves into trouble time and time again. But if we understand that that we are his, we will walk into, into situations with, with so much confidence because we understand that it's not just about our own ability. It's also about his ability. And he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. And it's really important that, that we understand that at a core level, because if we're only counting on our humanity, we're going to fail more than we succeed. But if we are counting on the God who created the universe to walk in tandem with us into our search situations, into our circumstances, we know that we are going to be so successful and we can have confidence in that. And I think one of the things that we miss and one of the things that, that we really need to understand is that he has called us beloved. The scripture says that he has called us beloved. Beloved just means, simply means dearly loved. It means, it means that we have value. It means that we have worth, that we are walking every single day with worth. So as we're trying to identify ourselves, we, we are stuck. We have to ask ourselves the question, are we stuck in a cycle of trying to deem our own worth or are we allowing ourselves to understand that he already decided our worth on the cross? You see, so many of us, no matter where you're at in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you're at in your journey with life, we find ourselves trying to to navigate this, this really weird thing of trying to, to find out how much we're worth. We, we look at the people around us and we want to know how much we're worth to them. We look at God and we want to know how much we're, we're worth to, to him. We want to look at our bosses and say, how, how much do you value me? How much do you uh, put worth in me? And 
one of the things that we never really should question is how much we are worth to God because he already decided that we were worth his life, that we were worth all of the pain and all of the agony and everything that he did to die on a cross and forgive us so that we could spend eternity with him. That That is the most worth that you could ever feel. So if at any point, even if it's today, if you feel unworthy, if you feel like people aren't giving you worth, if you feel like for some reason God doesn't see worth in you, please kill that. Know that God, that Jesus loves you so much and that, that the amount that he has deemed you worthy of is immeasurable. That the only way that he could possibly tell you how much you were worth was to die on a cross for you so that you didn't have to bear your own sin. When we can understand that we are his and that we are beloved, that we are dearly loved, that we are valued, that we are with worth, then we can answer the next question with pretty pretty good confidence and clarity. And that question is this, how do you identify yourself to others? How do I identify myself to others? I don't think it would be very wise to walk in to Winco the next time and just walk around and say, I am a beloved child of God. I am a dearly loved child of God. People might look at you a little bit weird, but I do think that if we have a healthy understanding of who we are and we can identify ourselves to ourselves in a healthy way, we'll be able to identify ourselves to others in a healthy, tangible way. Actually, two healthy, tangible ways. The first one being in the way we speak. Walking around yelling isn't going to get you anywhere, but the fact that you are a follower of Jesus should work its way into your conversation on a fairly regular basis. If we never find ourselves talking about our faith, then maybe we are a little ashamed of it. And if I'm ashamed of my faith, then then I need to check myself. Because in Romans, another Paul, another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And, and we, we need to take that phrase and we need to run with that. And understand that that shame is not supposed to be a part of any part of our walk with Jesus. That we should be so excited about the fact that we get to follow a God who loves us so immeasurably. That the people would look at us and they would see the way that we speak and they would hear that we are talking about our faith on a regular basis. My faith should be a pillar of my life, not just behind closed doors, but in public as well. And I'm not saying that you have to walk around and in every conversation be like, just so you know I'm a Christian. People would be like, okay, we get it. We didn't ask. But... As you are are having those conversations and somebody says, tell me what you're all about, tell me what you do with your time, all of those things, that Jesus should be a part of that. He's he's not just this this little section of our lives. It should be everything that we do in our life should, should point back to Jesus. If somebody says, why do you do that the way that you do that? Why do you love people the way that you love people? Why do you, why do you value your time so much? Why, why do you donate your time? Why do you donate your money? Why do you do all those things? The answer should almost always be... Jesus, because God has asked me to be that way, because God has called me to do that. And if we can find ourselves in that spot, we will be in a really healthy spot. Another tangible way that we can just show people or identify ourselves to people is in the actions that we take. You see, inevitably, naturally, we're, we're going to have people watching us live our lives, Every single one of us has, has a, a sphere of people that, that watch what we do on a regular basis, and, and they will see what we hold dear and why you hold it dear in the way that you act. And, and the old phrase, actions speak louder than words, is true, that, that you can say all, all kinds of different things, and a lot of us can, can work our way around situations with words, but it's really hard to work your way around situations with actions, because if you're actually putting foot to soil and you're doing the things that you said you were going to do, people will see that. And... If I speak about my faith, I better be able to back it up with my actions because there's nothing worse than somebody who talks about Jesus all the time but doesn't act like him ever. 
So we need to be people who are pursuing Jesus and that are saying that we, we are pursuing Jesus, but we also need to show that we are pursuing Jesus. That it's not just loving, saying that we're going to love our neighbors like ourselves, but we're actually loving our neighbors like ourselves. And if my actions are full of love for God, and if my actions are full of love for people, I really might not have to speak that much at all. Like maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm an introvert. I don't want to talk about my faith. I, I get so nervous talking about what I had for dinner last night. I get it. Like There are those of us who do, just do not love talking to people. But if you are willing to just live the life that God has called you to live, you might not have to speak that much at all. That people would just see the life that you're living and it would be the greatest sermon that you ever preached. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all kinds of knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will not so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, this section of Paul's letter is simply titled Thanksgiving. I love that because as we are in the process of trying to identify ourselves, we will all understand that it is difficult. It is difficult to identify ourselves. It is, a, it is difficult to, to knock down and pin down our identity in him. And in that difficulty, I think that we can be thankful some really, for some really incredible things. First of all, you have been enriched in every way. You have been enriched in every way, in speech and knowledge, Paul says, in speech and knowledge. What's really fun and what's really interesting about my job and just the journey that God has put me on is that I didn't actually go to school to be a pastor. I have zero theological training. I, I have a degree in, in communications, but I have no theological training. And yet I still have to have conversations with people who are in these deep um, theological situations. These, these people who have these, these incredible questions, people who are going through the hardest times of their lives. There's all of these different things as a pastor. You just get the opportunity to have conversations with people that, that a lot of people might not have. And uh, I feel fully inequipped to do that if I'm just relying on my human training. But what I've found is that God has equipped me in so many situations to have conversations with people that I have no business having conversations with. And that's because he does the equipping. He does the knowledge giving in speech and knowledge. He, he has just given me all those things. And I would never say that by my own volition, by my own like will, by my own hard work, I know all the answers to all the questions. I absolutely do not. I'm so far from that. But what I know is that I've been in situations where I didn't know the answer, but God did. And he just used me as a mouthpiece to deliver that answer. And you need to know that too, that so many of us feel incapable of having those conversations or, or to answering questions or whatever it may be. And just know that God has equipped you in every way. You've been enriched in every way in speech and knowledge that God will use you if you would surrender your life to him to have those conversations and that he would give you the knowledge that you need. If God is asking you to step into a situation, he will equip you to speak into that situation. He will give you the knowledge to, to handle that situation. Secondly, you do not lack any spiritual gifts, Paul says. And, and I think it's important that we understand this on an individual level and a collective level. It isn't always about being able to tackle a situation by ourselves. It's about being in a community and understanding that we all have different things to offer. Now, I don't think that that every person is just stuck in the one thing that they're good at, whether that be spiritual or not. 
I think that God has equipped us all to be to be saints, to be people who who speak the gospel into people's lives, who who can be eloquent with our speech, that we can be relational, that we can be prophetic in times, that, that we have the ability to heal people in, in times of need. That I think that there's there's so many different gifts that all of us have. And I, I think that there's some of us who have bends towards certain ones. But I also think that that's why God has called us to be in community, is that if you feel like your calling is one thing and my calling is another thing, then in tandem, we can have conversations with people, that that we can talk to people and let them know how loved they are. You see, not everybody listens or hears the voice of God the same way or, or hears the story of God and accepts it in the same way that I might say it and it might go right over their head, but you might say it and they're like, wow, I really like the way that you communicated that. So we need to understand that that all of us are capable, but it's not just about knowing all things or being able to do all things. It's about getting into community and, and pursuing Jesus in tandem, and people will see that, and they will be uh, attracted to a community of people who are living life together. And third, God is faithful. God is faithful. If he called you to it, he will bring you through it. He was always right in the middle of the call. At the end of Matthew chapter 28, one of the last things that Jesus says, to the disciples is called the Great Commission. But the very last part of the Great Commission is one of the most impactful things to me. It says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. For surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I take so much security in that because it's not just about me trying to do things by myself. It's not about me handling my own life situations or trying to help other people handle their life situations by myself. It's about the fact that, that God is with me always to the very end of the age, that there will never be a time where God calls me to something and isn't standing there right with me in the midst of that call. And that, that should bring power. That should bring confidence. That, that should take away fear and anxiety, knowing that if God has called you to it, he will bring you through it. See, these things are absolutely incredible because there's an inevitable truth in following Jesus. And that is that if we identify with Christ, we will face difficulties. You see, all over, Jesus made it really clear through his ministry that following him would lead to all different kinds of persecution. Thankfully, our persecution isn't commonly a threat to our lives, but more often it's a threat to our morality or a threat to our faith. And within those things, I think it's really important that we look back at these things that Paul is telling us and and be really thankful that, that we're enriched in every single way that we do not lack any spiritual gifts, and most importantly, that God is faithful. And if we can understand those things, if we can set a baseline with those three things, then we will be able to step into situations and into conversations and into circumstances, and we would be able to say, okay, I know that I I, I don't have the speech and knowledge on my, on my own free will, but God will give me the speech and knowledge. And, and I might not have humility, and I might not have a ton of grace, but I, I believe that God's going to give me grace in this situation. And In this situation, it's not just about me, it's about him and the fact that he is with us. And if we can do those things, we'll put ourselves in a really healthy spot. But often, persecution isn't even human intention. I think that often persecution is Satan using situations to attack our faith. And sometimes we succeed and sometimes we fail. And and I know that there's so many times that I've succeeded, but there's probably twice as many times that I've failed. And, And I think of different times in my life where, where I was trying to identify with Christ. I was trying to be who God called me to be. And, and one of the times 
I was at a restaurant and this guy came up to me. Larissa had went to the bathroom and we had just gotten Zara home about three months prior to this. And if you're not familiar, we have a daughter who's Ethiopian. And uh, so she's black. And I had a guy walk up to me and uh, he he had an American flag shirt on. He had a Trump hat on. And, and he just walked up and said, hey, you're the guy at church that helps with the youth. And I was like, yeah, I am. And uh, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go. But then he looked straight at Zara and he said, why did you adopt one of them? and not one of ours. And I, I just, I was like flabbergasted. I didn't know what to do. And everything in my my dad uh, persona, everything in just me as a human being wanted to get up and smack the guy. Like I, I was so like immediately angry. But right before we went out, I had been reading this this short little article or devotional on, on preparing our hearts as we as we walk into the world, and so so I like had set up a little prayer, and I didn't know that it would become so tangible and so relevant so quickly, but I was able to have a conversation with the guy and, and give him my spiel on why we were called to adopt from Ethiopia, why we were called to adopt a black child, why we were called to do the things that we did, and and we were, we were able to have a conversation, and he actually responded really well, and I'm really glad that God had prepared my heart to have that conversation. And that was a success. And I remember leaving that and being like, okay, that's the way that I, I, I felt like I act like, acted like I should have acted. But there's so many other times where I failed. And one of the ones that sticks out is like a couple months ago, I was on the way to church and I was running late because I didn't give myself enough time. And I got cut off by this, this lady and, and I was shaking my fist and I honked at her and I was not being very Jesus filled on my, on my way to church at the church that I work at, which is just fantastic. And, uh, Man, I, I, if she was looking in a rearview mirror, she would have seen a lot of like angry, angry gestures. I, I swear I didn't do the gesture with one finger, uh, but I, man, I, I was, I was so furious, and it just road rage is just the silliest thing. But I had road rage, and I was so ready to to, to get up next to her and, and yell or look at her, give her that look, like what, what do you think you're doing? And instead of getting up next to her as I was turning into the church, she turned into the church before me and we ended up parking next to each other and she just looked over and I knew, like she knew and I knew. I felt so much guilt in that moment and we got out of the car and I should have said I'm sorry, but instead I just ran. I literally went the opposite direction and, and found a different entrance. And uh, that was a time that was that I, I failed and I didn't prepare my heart. And I think it's just a really good reminder for us that as we're trying to identify with Christ and as we're trying to, to claim to follow Jesus and that we are his and that we are beloved, that we need to make sure that we're checking our heart on a regular basis, pre-situations, during situations, and after situations, that we would be people that as we are trying to identify ourselves in speech and in actions, that we would actually be able to admit when we succeeded, but more importantly, when we failed and, and recalibrate and do things in a more Christ-like way. Paul goes on to say this in verses 10 through 13. He says, I, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say and that there will be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What, I'm, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Remember, this is Paul writing this letter, and he's asking at the end of this phrase, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Like, did I, did I die for you? Did I baptize, were you baptized in my name? And he's trying to communicate a very clear point. That is this, is that a house divided serves nobody well. A house divided serves nobody well.
I think this is one of the most frustrating things about being a follower of Jesus. It, it isn't anything new. Paul was writing about it 2,000 years ago, and I still think it's relevant today. Church has often become more about the leaders in the church than the Savior in the church. And church has often become more about the church building than the movement of the church. That we look at leaders and we look at people and we say, I follow that person instead of following the person, Jesus. And I think it's a really dangerous place to be. Paul was a master at pointing everything back to Jesus. And human beings are really good at creating walls instead of bridges when it comes to relationships, especially within the church. That, that Whether it's a denomination, whether it's a theological difference, whatever it is, that we, we create these walls. And the church seems to be more divided now than it ever has been before. That we always find reasons to not go to that church, to not listen to that person, to not, not hear what they have to say, not do that with them. And I think that we need to do everything that we can to, to fight against that. I have to understand it's not about me. See, it's not, it's not about me. It's not about Nate. It's not about Faith Chapel. It's about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. One of our core values is Jesus in everything. And I think that one of the best things that that does is it reorients us to understanding that no matter what programs we put on, no matter what ministries we're running, no matter how good our services are, that we always need to come back to Jesus. That Jesus needs to be right in the middle of every single thing that we do. Now, is there beauty in the fact that every communicator in church has different styles? Absolutely, as long as Jesus is at the center of it. My communication style is very different than most of the pastors on our staff. And, and I think that there's a lot of benefit to that, that if me and three other pastors are sitting in a room and we're communicating with someone or, or, or a group of people, that, that people have different ideas and different flavors on how they receive the message of Jesus. That, that's an incredible thing. Or worship. We have big, loud worship. People always talk about Faith Chapel as being the concert on the weekends. And, and some people love that, and some people don't. And that's okay as long as people are meeting Jesus. And the, and the posture that I have to have and the posture that you have to have is we shouldn't care where people are finding Jesus. We should just care that people are finding Jesus. That if people are finding the grace and love and forgiveness of Jesus, then it doesn't matter what building they're in. That's just brick and mortar. Nobody cares about that. It's always about Jesus. So my, my prayer is this, is that our call as the next generation would be to unite the house. That we would unite the house. Ages, races, denominations, styles of worship, and whatever other walls we've created need to get torn down. We cannot serve people and love people well if we are divided. We have to get back to the basics, and the basics are Jesus. The basics is Christ and him crucified. So then Paul uses the next couple verses to talk about the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man, and he wraps it up in verses 25 through 31. And he says this, he says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So the last point today is this. We are sufficient because he is sufficient. Wherever you're at today and whatever excuse you have created in your mind that makes you unable to identify as a dearly loved child of God, kill it. Whatever sin is keeping you away from Jesus, kill it. 
Whatever sin is present in your life that is making you feel unworthy, know that even despite that sin, God still loves you and God will still use you in the midst of it. That God isn't waiting for you to get it all put together before he's willing to use you or before he's willing to call you that beloved child of God. He has made you worthy. He has made you sufficient so that in every situation, we would walk in in the power knowing that even despite our brokenness, even despite the gaps in our lives, Jesus is willing to fill those gaps and make us sufficient. So know that we are sufficient because he is sufficient. I want to wrap up today by praying. And uh, something that I don't do very often that I would love to do more is to write down prayers and This last set of scripture, uh, it was just so impactful for me. And so I I just want to pray this over you. So if you're in a spot where you can bow your head, uh, I I would just ask you, maybe maybe open up your hands and just receive this. If you're driving, don't do this. Be safe. But, But just take one second and listen to this prayer. Lord, we sit here today understanding that we are all in different places. Not many of us are wise by the standards of our society. Not many of us hold influence over hundreds of people, but you use our influence on the few where you have uniquely placed us. Not many of us come from affluence or prestige, and yet you want us anyway. You use the lowly to prove to the prideful that you use the broken things to fix the world itself. You use the not to nullify the things that are. It is because of you that we find holiness. It is because of you that we find righteousness. It is because of you that we have found redemption. We promise to never take that for granted. Give us confidence to walk in power, not of our own strength, not of our own volition, but yours. Let our lives always be about you and for you, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for for checking out the College Age Movement podcast. If you are in Billings, we would always love to see you in person. We meet all the way through the summer, so please come Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock. If it's not a place that you can make it on Tuesday nights, keep listening to the podcast, get filled up. We love you. We'll see you soon.